0: have a great pastor. I've known him a long time. I knew this was going to be a great church, and you're going to have a great time today, I promise you. Anybody remember when the only thing you had to play with was the outside? Anybody remember that? The outside. Mom would say, go outside. Go play in the ditch. Remember that? Go play in the ditch. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's easier to travel with my grandkids. You know, I got, I got eleven, eleven grandkids. Uh, I, uh, uh, you know, it, things even that's changed. You know, women do not, especially my wife, does not want to be a grandma. I mean, they, you know, so so they pick out cute little names. Now there, there's no grandmas anymore. So my wife picked out Mimi, me, Meet me, me. What am I going to be? P P? You know, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to be Papa, I don't care if it doesn't rhyme, I'm not going to be Pee-Pee, all right? Uh, 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 but it's easier to travel with my grandkids, why? Because they actually never look up. I mean, you tra- they put them in the car, they just do this the whole time, <laughs> up, we're there, oh good, and they get out. You know. Uh, when, when my kids were young, the only thing we had was the outside. So we counted cows, remember that? On trips you count cows, or Volkswagens, or, or letters and signs, and then, and then after about 50 miles, you're done, I mean, you're done, you know? But they're still in the back seat, you know? So they're saying things like, she's breathing my air, you know, stuff like that. I, uh, I used to tell my wife, any trip over 100 miles, I know why animals eat their young, you know, because this is tough, you know? Uh, uh. But the only thing I had was the outside when I was a kid, so I played marbles. For some of you, this is going to sound like the History Channel, all right? But uh, okay, just if you're under like 50, play along, okay? Uh, uh, we had marbles, and, and uh, uh, my dad was a Baptist preacher, all right? So I lived at the... Parsonage. That's why I became a psychologist, by the way. I lived at the parsonage. I actually lived at the church. That's where I lived. Uh, so my dad was a Baptist preacher. You can play marbles, but you can't play for keeps. Anybody remember that? Can't play for keeps. Too much like gambling, you know? And we're Baptists. We're pretty much against everything, you know? You know? Uh, uh, if it's fun, you ain't doing it. If it tastes good, spit it out, you know? And so, uh, I. Uh, uh, so so I and i'm I'm pretty much Baptist born, Baptist bred, I guess when I die I'll be Baptist dead, but anyway i uh, uh, uh so my dad says you can play marbles, but you can't play for keeps, so I played marbles, but I played for keeps, right because I'm a kid, you know, because I know more than my parents know, you know, so uh, i I won't play for keeps, you know, and there's always a bully, somebody bigger, somebody stronger in the neighborhood that wants to you know beat you up or he'll he'll just steal your marbles i mean and so after a while i realized i've lost my marbles (laughs) i've lost my marbles well how how am i gonna get my marbles back well i had to go back to my dad i had to tell him the truth and i tell people all over the country got to face it to fix it all right secrets are sickness got to tell the truth Uh, i told my dad I, i disobeyed i played for keeps and i've lost my marbles and my dad would go confront the bully, sometimes the bully's dad, and get them, get marbles back. Well, that, that's what I do. I, I'm a trained psychologist, I go around the country, and I tell people how good their heavenly father is, and how if you tell the truth, uh, you can get your marbles back. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try to get your marbles back, all right? Now, we can't, I don't have all day. Can't get all of them back, you understand? Uh, uh, so we, we bring a lot of resources, so we have a resource table, pretty much have a series for whatever dysfunction you have. Uh, most of you don't even know what your dysfunction is, do you? Uh, but the person beside you does, so uh, you just, just ask them. I, know. Uh, uh, I, I am a psychologist by training. Actually, I'll just be honest with you, I got tired of being a psychologist. I, I got tired of listening. I got tired of saying uh huh uh huh uh huh. I can understand how you feel that way. Uh huh. I mean, I reached a point where I'm just tired of this. I mean, why am I doing the listening anyway? I mean, I I'm a got a doctor's degree in psychology. I know something. They don't know anything. They they're seeing a psychologist. So why why don't I do some talking? Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? It, it wasn't a good idea. It 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 didn't go well at all. I mean. The guy would say something like this, the reason I'm a loser is because my dad was an alcoholic. And I'd say, well, there's another way of looking at it. Maybe your dad's an alcoholic because you're a loser. I mean, there's another way of looking at it. Uh, people will not pay for that, you understand. They won't pay for that. Uh, uh, so uh, I decided to, to talk for a living. So, so we're gonna talk about relationships today. And not, not relationships in the short term, But relationships that last in the long term. Anybody can get along in the short term. Anybody can stay in love for a little while. We're talking about the way God planned it. The, I, I, uh, I'm in airports a lot, because I, I gotta go places and my arms get tired, so I fly in planes. And uh, I like these airports where they have these people movers. You ever seen these people movers? You know, It's like horizontal escalators. You know, you, I mean, you, you make a good time. I mean, you move, and they, I, mean, I like them, and you make a lot of good time. But I'm usually in the airport late at night, and there's usually a ball team, you know, some boys, you know, usually around 17 or 18, you know. And, and if you know anything about teenage boys, 17 or 18, their IQ's like plant life. It's like a, <laughs> uh, I mean, they do things and you look at what they're doing and you think, can an IQ test come back negative? I mean, uh, 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 a seventeen-year-old uh, male will say things like this. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm joining the Marines. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, it's just a teenage boy, you know. And 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 they decide to go up the people mover the wrong way. Why? Because they. Can, cause they're young and they're quick and they can do it. I mean, they, they you know have to work at it you know. They, but they're young. They can go back. And, and and you know they make progress and then they get to the end and then they want to laugh about what they're doing. We look, we do it the wrong way. Look at but they're not realizing they're still standing on the people mover. You know? and, and they're going all the way back <laughs> to where they came from. I can't tell you. How many hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people that I've worked with over the years, and they think, I'm gonna do it my way. If I want pleasure, I'm gonna get it right now. If I wanna do this, I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna get this done. And then you run into them five, 10 years later, and they're right back where they started. They've lost their marriage, they lost their career, or they're addicted to something. You see, the world's a Ponzi scheme. The world says you can have this without that, and you can for a short period of time. Unfortunately, by the time that that shows up, you're usually addicted to the this, and your life becomes a miserable mess. So we're gonna try to help you today, and we're gonna help you in the area of relationships. And I want you to maybe think of one thing that you can change to make your relationships better. See, what happens, you come to general church here, general sermon about general things, and in general, you generally decide you're generally gonna do generally better than what you generally did before you generally come in here, right? And generally, you go out there, and generally, you don't do anything any different, do you? So let's try to get specific about one thing you can do, because here's what I've discovered. It's usually just one thing, that if you could just change that, you'd make all the difference in the world in your life. So let me give you a visual to understand that. Let's just say we're gonna have a cookout, maybe uh, grill some steaks, watch a game, and uh, maybe watch a cowboy game. I, I'm a huge cowboy fan. They're actually gonna be bears at my funeral so they can let me down one last time. Uh, 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 but let's just let's just say we're gonna watch a cowboy game and grill some steaks and everybody's in a good mood everybody's laughing everybody's having fun and then the grill's getting good and hot and a friend of ours comes in bill we wave at bill and bill waves at us and then bill puts his hand on the grill and burns himself severely we go why you see bill man why'd he do that man. they take him to the hospital and they have to bandage him up sab him up a couple of weeks later you check on him and he's got the bandages off he's got to put a little salve on it and it's about a month later and he's all healed gonna have another cookout maybe grill some steaks maybe watch a game everybody's in a good mood everybody's laughing grill's getting good and hot and bill walks in you kind of feel it tense up a little bit i mean he's by the grill you know uh what do you do do you say you know what i last time bill better get away from the grill uh no you don't do anything do you because we're christians we'd rather look good than tell the truth right you know so we just kind of all look at each other and then bill puts his hand on the grill again and burns himself severely now you and i just standing around talking it may go something like this that bill he's a nice guy isn't he my kid's same soccer team as his kids. I see him every Saturday. And you know, he seems pretty normal in just about every area of his life. But when it comes to grills, <laughs> that Bill's nuts, isn't he? He just nuts. <laughs> Let me tell you about your life. You're pretty normal in just about every area. But I guarantee you, there's one area of your life If we could look at it, we would say, that's nuts. Why do you respond that way? Why do you get mad about that? Or why do you get defensive about this? Or why do you eat that? Or why do you drink that? We don't have time to do individual therapy, you understand? You gotta put it in the blank yourself. (laughs) But I guarantee you, there's one thing that keeps you from being the person that God created you to be and it burns you over and over i know the old i know all psychiatrist jokes remember the old psychiatrist joke where the guy goes see the psychiatrist he got two burned ears remember that well i'll tell you he got two burned ears psychiatrist says what happened he said i was ironing the phone rang and i picked up the iron he says yeah but both your ears are burned He said, they call back. (laughs) See, that's what your habits do. You say you're not gonna do it or eat it or get mad, I don't know what it is, but then you do it. See, at first you control habits, but then habits control you. It's like in Proverbs, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, like a dog returns to its vomit. You don't even want to do it, but you end up doing it. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of like it's this pastor, he, he bought a, a used lawnmower from a kid in the neighborhood. Paid you know, like 45 bucks for it, but he needed a lawnmower, and he didn't want to get a new one, so he got this lawnmower, and he couldn't get it to start. He just could not get it to start. So he's getting frustrated, and finally, about a week later, he runs into that same kid. He said, kid, come here. Look at this lawnmower. You sold me a lawnmower that does not start and I want my money back. He said, no, pastor, it does start. He said, no, it doesn't, so, pastor, calm down. No, it doesn't start. You so, he said, calm down, pastor. I, I, I didn't want to tell you because you're the pastor, but but it will start. No, it did pastor, it will start. I, I didn't want to sell it till you. You're the pastor, but, but I had to. I needed the money, so I'm going to tell you. It, it does start, but you have to cuss. That's just what it's always been. I, I, I didn't want to tell you because you're the pastor, but it doesn't start unless you cuss. But I needed to sell it, so I sold it. So you got it. He said, young man, I am the pastor, and I do not cuss. Matter of fact, it's been so long since I cussed, I don't even remember how. And the kid said, pull it about four or five more times, it'll all come back. (laughs) See, that's the way it is with your habits. You say you're not going to do it or get mad at it or eat it or drink it and then your kids pull on you or your mate pulls on you or somebody pulls on you and it all comes back. So we're gonna look at maybe one specific thing you can change today as we talk about relationships because here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18. For the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good to be alone. You read any psychological profile of anybody that does anything strange, weird, perverted, you'll usually see a phrase, this person was a loner. It's not good to be alone. End up being strange, weird, maybe even perverted. It's especially not good to be alone if you're a man. If you're a man. You look at the research. Single men go in the prison and the state hospital a lot more than married guys. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you merit guys right now. How many how merit many guys in here? You merit guys, okay. Uh, yeah, that's right, let me encourage you right now, guys. I don't know how your marriage is going, but let's look at it in a positive way. It's keeping you out of prison. keeping you out of the state hospital. That, that, you ought to turn to your wife and say, thank you for keeping me out of prison and the state hospital. And one reason it's keeping you out of the state hospital because your wife will tell you when you're crazy, won't you? She'll say, say, you're crazy, don't do that anymore. They'll put you in a state hospital. Now, think about this. Think about this. Why would God say this? It's not good for man to be alone. This is before sin came in the world. So Adam had a perfect spiritual relationship with Eve. So it's not good to be alone. You know, Eve, he needed Eve in order to, to become who he was. It's not good for anybody to be alone. People, I go to church and say, all I need is God. It's not what God says. God says you can't even be all I want you to be alone. You have to be around other people. So that's why he, he made marriage. That's why he made family. That's why he made the church. The church is a safety net. God knew that uh, because of death or divorce or dysfunction or, or pe- some people choose to remain single, but you can't be all you need to be by yourself. So the church is a safety net, the family of God, where we all can be around Each other to complete each other in order to be what God wants us to be now why would this be the case if you think about it it makes sense because the Bible also says this we are made in the image of God you're made in the image of God that's encouraging isn't it now that image has been defaced because of the fall of man but it's not been erased you have some of the characteristics God has Well, what is God like well if you read the Bible he is father son and holy spirit he has three personalities if you grew up in the church probably heard that referred to as the trinity now the trinity is one of those heavenly concepts hard to understand down here on earth if people tell you they totally understand the trinity they will lie about other stuff too i promise you Uh, they don't totally understand the trinity but although i don't understand it i can relate to it When my kids were young, the cousins would come over and visit and the cousins would call me Uncle Charles. And my girls would look at those cousins and say, he's not your Uncle Charles, he's my daddy. And they'd say, no he's not, he's Uncle Charles. No he's not, he's daddy. No he's Uncle Charles, he's daddy. And they'd get a little tiff over that, why? in their childish brain they couldn't understand how i could be two personalities at the same time how could i be daddy and uncle charles at the same time they couldn't understand it in my childish brain i couldn't understand how god could be three for some reason god the father needed god the son in order to do the work of salvation and god the son needed god the holy spirit in order to make his love permanent in our lives and it says this we are made in the image of God. So what does that mean? That means you need to be around other personalities to complete you, because even though you're made in God's image, you're not divine, so anything that you create would be dysfunctional, and I would be the first to say, you can create your own personalities. We have a, actually a diagnosis for that. We call that multiple personality disorder, and we will put you in a state hospital if you do it that way. The way to do it is to be around other personalities in order to complete you. Well, how does it all work? Well, life works in stages. And before we go there, let me just, let me just help you out here. I won't charge a church anymore for this. This will be free. I'm just going to give you some group therapy. It kind of looks like you need it right today. So I'm going to give you some free group therapy, all right? Uh, and... Uh, Uh, Not going to be individual, you know, I don't think you can afford that, but it's going to be free Okay, so put your hand over your heart. I'm going to lead you in a little pledge So repeat after me or it won't work. Okay, I'm leading this pledge. I being of sound mind Do hereby acknowledge That I have not Nor have I ever Or will I ever control the universe Therefore, I resign as general manager of the universe. Now, don't you feel better already? He's God, you're not. Get over it. Get over it. You see, let me tell you what most of your stress, most of your frustration comes from. You're trying to straighten out somebody else. Yeah, yeah, if I could just straighten it. if I could just. Yeah, yeah. That's where all your stress comes from. You see, As a matter of fact, if your goal in life is to straighten out somebody else, the only person you can really be is a mortician. You know, that's the only guy that can straighten people out and they'll stay straight, right? Otherwise, you've got to get up every morning and re straighten them again, right? Uh, so we're not talking about other people today, we're talking about ourselves. And life and relationships works in stages. And the first stage of any relationship is that wonderful stage. It's when you see the good in the situation. Uh, And and your needs will change depending on what age and stage of life you're in, by the way. uh, My my wife and I are in the empty nest stage of life. People say, when does life really begin? I can tell you. It's when the kids leave home and the dog dies. That's pretty much when life really begins. uh, uh, but but your needs will change depending on how old you are. Uh, for example, I got a guy in my ch- my church. He's like ninety. You know, he can't say old nowadays. He's he's chronologically gifted. How's that? You know, and uh, 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 and he's. He's dating this lady that's like in her 80s. you know. And of course, his buddies are giving him a hard time. And they say, well, oh, 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 are you gonna marry her? He said, yes, I'm gonna marry her. He said, well, well, why, does she have a lot of money? No, she doesn't have a lot of money. Well, can't she cook? No, she doesn't cook. Well, does she have a nice house? Well, not really. Well, why are you marrying her? He says, I'm marrying her cause she can drive at night. That's why I'm marrying her. Uh, <laughs> So your needs are gonna change a little bit depending on how old you are, you understand? Uh, and matter of fact, I asked that guy how to go, he said I really had to ask her two questions. I said two, he said I got on my knees and I said will you marry me? And I said could, could you help me back up? So it's just gonna change a little bit. Uh, but that wonderful stage is when you see the good. You know, remember the first job you really wanted? You sent out your resume and you got people to recommend you because you thought you'd found the perfect job. You know, you're gonna get paid for this, you're gonna get off for this, you're gonna get to do this. And it was until you went to work, right? And then, well, I didn't know about this and I didn't know about that. That's the way life is. You find the perfect church. It is until you join. And then, well, I didn't know they were here and I do not know they did that. You know? And, and you, you find the perfect friend. And they are. to get to know them. Everybody's normal to get to know them. And then, I didn't know they did this. I didn't know that. Well, that's especially true with relationships. Especially when you add the romantic factor, the urge to merge factor. You know, when one gland's calling out to another gland, let's get together. You know, that stage of life. And by the way, if you're in that stage of life, that's a beautiful stage to be in, but it's a pitiful stage to watch, isn't it? You know, uh, <laughs> I used to do premarital counseling and I quit doing that because I got sick of looking at that stage. You know, I, I wanted to say, take your hands off each other and listen to me. You know, I'd try to shock them into reality like, have a job, no. Finish school, no. Got any money, no. How are you gonna live, love. You know? <laughs> and then they'd jump on each other again. You know that stage. I want to say I give you five years for this body chemistry to turn to toxic waste, you know? (Laughter) uh. But we've all been there, have not we? You know, I mean, I, I, I've been there. I mean, and, and and guys lie during this stage. I'll just tell you guys, you know, you know, you lie during this stage. You just got the urge to merge. You lie, you know. I lied, you know. My wife says you love the mall. Oh, I love the mall, you know, just to watch you shop at the mall, honey. I love the mall. You love shopping. Oh, I love shopping, man. I was lying. God knew I was lying. I so said, "That's my boy Charles. Look at him. He's lying. He just wants to merge." Uh, I better teach him a lesson or he'll lie the rest of his life. Birth angel, come here. Send him three daughters. He's gonna spend his life in the mall for lying. Uh, well, that's how, I, that's how I got three daughters. I, uh, uh, most of my life, I've lived in a girl's dorm, raising three girls with a wife. I mean, some days were tough. Some days I'd actually go out and talk to the mailbox. It was the only mail thing in my house. So I'd say <laughs> I'd say, mailbox, it's tough in there today, mailbox. Uh, three teenage girls at one time, we had so much hairspray things would stick in mid-air. I mean, we had a different yeah. yeah. but we've all been there, haven't we? That wonderful stage of life. But what happens after wonderful? War. You know, opposites attract from a distance, but opposites attack up close. (laughs) The very thing that attracts you from a distance now starts to irritate you. Sometimes it happens quickly. Guy got up on his honeymoon, looked at his sweet wife, and says, where's my hot breakfast? Mother always made me a hot breakfast. She said, you want a hot breakfast? Put those Fruit Loops in the microwave, that'll be hot. (laughs) Hey, set those cornflakes on fire, buddy. That'll warm you up. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Because, I mean, my wife and I made that commitment to never go to bed angry. We were up to, like, the first three weeks we were married, and I thought, man, this is a lot harder than what I thought, you know? <laughs> because I was attracted to her, because one thing is because she was so organized. Man, I thought, man, that'd be great. I didn't know how organized until we got married. I mean, I knew I was in trouble when she wanted to clean up the rice at the wedding before we went on the honeymoon, and I said, this, <laughs> this lady's clean, you know? Closet's color-coded, shoes face north, you know. Put my Diet Coke down and turn around, it's in the dishwasher and I'm not even through with it yet. Put the paper down and it's in the trash and I'm not even done, you know. Uh, I asked her one time, what do you think God's trying to teach me? He said, he's trying to teach you, enjoy things while you have them, you never know when you're gonna lose them. Got up one night to go to the bathroom, came back, the bed was made, and I thought this is just a little much, this is a little much. So we got we got those personality differences. We got male-female differences, don't we? You know. I mean, men are grow up competition, king of the hill, capture the flag, put a helmet on, and seriously injure the other guy. That's how we grew up. But women grow up cooperating, talking, communicating. And that makes men nervous. We don't know how to Hawk, we to, we, you know, we think you asked us a question. You're competing somehow, going to find out something about us and make us look bad, you know, at competition. Remember the first trip we went on and Penny said, can we stop at that rest area? I said, not till I pass that Chevrolet. <laughs> she said, what Chevrolet? Chevrolet passed me 30 miles back. I've been trying to catch ever since that Chevrolet. See, that, that's how we grew up, that, that competition. Men are simple. You see, women are complex. Men are simple. I mean, you go to bed, one head, one bed, one pillow. Right? Wrong. I got 11 pillows on my bed. I take six off every night. I put six back on every morning. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> one head, one bed, one pillow. That's why? I thought it'd be. But it wasn't good for man to be alone. He needs more pillows. (laughs) So we go from wonderful to war. But then we start to wonder. We wonder, did we move to the wrong town? We wonder, did we join the wrong church? We wonder, did we take the wrong job? We even wonder, did we marry the wrong person? I uh, get these guys coming to see me when I was in private practice, and they would be all nervous, you know, seeing a psychologist, and I get nervous, too. I mean, I've seen some strange people, you know. Uh, one guy was so paranoid, he thought the people in front of him were following him. You know, That's paranoia, you know. And I, uh, I said, you're not paranoid. You're just not too smart, you know. Uh, uh, one guy had a combination paranoia and guilt. He thought the world was out to get him, but he thought he deserved it, you know. So I've seen some strange people. So he'll lean forward and I'll lean forward and I say, "What's, what's your problem?" He said, "Doc, it's it's serious." I said, "What is it?" I said, "Tell me." He'll say, "Doc, I think I've married the wrong person." I said, "That's that's your problem. That's it." He said, "That's it." I said, "Hey, I got good news for you. Everybody else did too. What don't you want to talk about?" <laughs> He says, what do you mean? In a sense, everybody married the wrong person. You married this fantasy person. They look good, they smell good, they never go to the bathroom. You got a perfect person here. (laughs) And then you get married, you got a real person. They don't always look good, don't always smell good, spend their life in the bathroom, you got a real person here. But remember the world's a Ponzi scheme. The world wants you to compare your insides with other people's outsides, wants to compare your fact with some fantasy that the world says will make you happy. These guys used to come in my office and they'd say, oh, Dr. Lowry, I'm falling in love with my secretary. She listens better than my wife. She dresses better. She's always in a good mood. Say, hey, I got an answer for that. Pay your wife, let her off at four (laughs) o'clock. She'll be in a great mood, you know, she'll dress better. uh, We start comparing things that can't be compared. I, my female patient said, Oh, Dr. Lowry, if my husband would just listen the way you'd listen, if he'd just be compassionate the way you're compassionate, if he'd look into my eyes when I talk the way you look into my eyes. I said, Pay him $150 an hour like you're paying me. He'll look in your eyes when you talk. My friend, you have two choices in life only two. You can tear up that fantasy that does not exist, and you can accept your mate, your kids your pastor, as a gift of God, or else you'll spend the rest of your life tearing up those people, trying to make them look like a fantasy that does not exist, and you'll end up being a very miserable person. Fact of the matter is, relationships just take work. They take work. If the grass is green, it's because somebody's watered it, fertilized it, Taking care of it if the grass is green nobody appears to be taking care of it there's a septic tank somewhere <laughs> you understand what i'm saying life doesn't work like that but here's the key it's crucial to all i'm going to teach you you cannot do the work of relationships unless you understand the worship of relationships Relationships are not secular, they are spiritual. You see, Jesus met a lady at the well. She'd been married five times, okay? Five times. She's now living with a guy, okay? She's taking a whack at trying to find some guy that will measure up, five of them living with a guy. And Jesus says to her, and he may be saying to you, when are you gonna realize A person can never meet your deepest needs. Another person can never love you unconditionally all the time and give you total forgiveness. They will never be able to do that. And if you're looking for another person to do that, you're going to be dissatisfied. He used the word thirsty. And then Jesus said to her, and he may be saying to you, Let me give you living water, something that will quench that thirst. Let me love you unconditionally. Let me give you total forgiveness so you will feel loved, so you will feel blessed as a person, so you'll be freed up to love and to bless other people. You see, I believe that the Bible teaches the way you treat other people is an act of worship. Why? because Jesus was the true worshiper. He gave more glory to God than anybody. So if you want to be a worshiper, you need to do what Jesus did. Well, what did Jesus do? Well, he went to the synagogue. It it actually didn't go very well when he did, but he went. Uh, We don't really have any record of him singing songs, although he was at a place one time where they sang a song when they left. So the very things we call worship, going to church, singing songs, You know, well, you probably do a lot more than that than Jesus did. But what did he do out there? Not in here, out there. Jesus loved people the way God wanted them to be loved. Jesus blessed people the way God wanted them to be blessed. You see, I believe worship is not... It's more about not raising your hands. It's about reaching out your hands. You see, coming here is easy. <laughs> out there is hard, you see. Uh, Jesus, how, you say, how do you know it's worship? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse seven, talking to men, it says, men, if you don't dwell with your wife in an understanding way and make her a joint heir, your prayers will be hindered. Your prayers are gonna be answered dependent on not how many times you come to church, not even how much you give to the church. It's gonna be dependent on how you treat people, primarily the people in your family. Then it goes on to say in verse eight, all of us, and it talks about having a humble spirit and a mind, but verse nine is a powerful verse. First Peter chapter three, verse nine is a powerful verse in the Bible. It says this, even when people do evil against you, you don't do evil back. Even when they revile against you, you don't revile back, but contrary. In other words, different than the way you think you ought to react. Different than the way the world says react. Here's what you do. You don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. You bless them. You bless them. Why? Because God says this is why you are called that you will inherit a blessing. See, you will inherit a blessing. So then he goes on to say, "You're going to love your life. You're going to see good days if you live your life this way." And verse 12 is just the opposite of verse 7. It says, "God's ears will be open to your prayers." In other words, the way you treat people is an act of worship. And here's why it's crucial in relationships, because people deserve. They need love the most when they least deserve it. Let me tell you about my wife. When she's in a good mood and things are going well and my schedule's full and there's money in the bank and the grandkids are doing good and people are buying my books and CDs, which I'd appreciate you would, uh, she's in a good mood. But it, and it's pretty easy to love my wife. But sometimes she's in a stinking mood. No money in the bank, grandkids are messing up, schedule's empty, nobody buying any books. And I say something nice to her, and she says something ugly back to me, that's when she really needs my love. And that's when I really don't want to give it to her. I wanna say, stick it in your ear, lady, I deserve better than this. <laughs> but that's when I can love her as an act of worship. I can love her when she's a at. why? Because God loved me when I was a jerk, that's why. She can love me when I'm a jerk, why? Because God loved her when she's a at. That's why we've been married over 40 years. That's why, we married, that's why we married the rest of our lives. That's why we grow and break our hips together. <laughs> why? Because we see it as an act of worship. My friend, you cannot do the work of relationships, and it's hard work out there, unless you understand the worship of relationships. Why do we put that into practice? How do we make love last? L-A-S-T. We won't have time to finish the message, but I've never actually finished a message in my life, so don't worry about it. It's it's out of a whole series, so I just get as far as I can. Uh, L stands for learn. You have to learn how to love people. Everybody's loved in a different way. Uh, Let's just say, uh, well, let let me give you an example of that. Let's take the world of children. How many of you have ever been a kid or know a kid? Okay, uh, okay. How many of you took Psych 101? Anybody take Psych 101? Probably heard of a guy named Piaget. And he had the stages that kids go through, and kids go through stages where their brain matures, and there's a stage called the concrete operational stage where kids cannot think abstractly. In other words, they cannot enter your world even if they wanted to because their brain hasn't matured. That's why kids do weird stuff, by the way. Uh, I saw a kid with a burned lip. I said, kid, how'd you burn your lip? He said, I was licking my nightlight. I said, why would you do that? He said, i would never licked one before. I mean, that that makes perfectly good sense to a kid, you see? Because, see, he can't... Think about licking it, he has to go lick it, you see. Uh, so, I'm going to teach you what it's like to be in a world different than the world you're in. And I'm going to teach you many times you think you're loving somebody, but you've never taken the time to enter their world. And not only are you not loving them, you may be causing a lot of pain. So, if you're physically able, I want you to take your hands and raise them as high as you can. I want to keep them up as long as you can because I want to cause as much pain as I can. Stand beside a kid when he says, I pledge allegiance to the flag. You think he says that? No, they're all abstract words. He doesn't have a clue what they're talking about. He'll say something like this, I lead the pigeons to the flag. Uh, uh, You think he says one nation indivisible? He'll say a naked individual every time. Listen to him at church. Church is all abstract. They don't have a clue what we're talking about at church. They think God's name is Howard. Howard be thy name. Maybe his name is Art, who art in heaven. They pray, give us this day our jelly bread. They say the books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Olivia, Newton, John, uh, (laughs) Genesis, Exodus, Lexus. One kid got it all confused, thought round John Virgin was the fattest of the 12 opossums. Listen to them at church, they don't even sing the songs we sing. I was standing by a kid, we were singing, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. He was singing, soon and very soon, we are going to Burger King. <laughs> okay, I'm going to cut this off short, because I don't have much time, so put you, it's not hurt a little bit, but it'll hurt a little bit. Yeah, put your hand does that feel good? See, now you know what it's like for a three-year-old to go to the mall with their parents. One takes one arm, one takes the other arm. <laughs> And you walk around like this for hours and you tell the kid, we love you. We took you out of preschool for this. Many times, you think you're loving somebody. Many of you guys think you're loving your mate. But you're not loving her at all because you're trying to love her from your point of view. And you've never taken the time to enter their world. Well, how how do you enter their world? You have to listen. You have to communicate. Let me, let me just do this one thing and then we'll try to wrap this up. Uh, I'm going to teach you a word. The word is psychological. Except we're going to break it up into psycho and logical. All right? Uh, let's say that uh, it's springtime of the year and the guy goes to the garage and the garage is a mess but he sees his golf clubs. And he says, man, I haven't played golf all winter. It's been a brutal winter. I know Saturday's going to be a great day. Man, I want to get those clubs, play golf with my buddies, 10 o'clock, take off, that'll be great. And uh, he doesn't say anything, okay? About a few minutes later, his wife walks in and looks at the garage. Said, this is a mess. Man, all winter we've just been piling stuff up. We need a family cleanup project. And Saturday's gonna be a beautiful day. About 10 o'clock, we need to clean out this garage. Now, if they wait, and don't say another word, until Saturday at 10 o'clock, when he gets out his golf clubs, it's not going to be logical. It's going to be psycho, (laughs) right? Because now the amygdala, the emotions get involved, and you end up the blood goes to the muscles and not the brain, and you overreact emotionally. Now, if they would have talked about it on Tuesday, they could have worked it out logically he could have said you know i really look forward to playing yeah but honey this you, you see it's a mess it, yeah i know it's a mess we need to i tell you what i'll play golf early uh i'll get up like an eight o'clock tea time i get home by 12 we'll start at one o'clock the whole family man we'll go from one to five and then we'll go get something to eat to celebrate that we cleaned up. i mean they could work it out logically but so many people don't work it out they have it out because they wait until the emotions get involved and they have psycho communication, not logical communication. So you have to learn how to listen. Don't have time to teach you that today. Okay, I'll teach you that another time. A stands for appreciate what you have. S stands for serve out of who you are. And T, if you won't love to last, T stands for this. You have to tell yourself every day what's really important in life. Tell yourself every day what's really important in life. You say, well, how do you know what's important in life? Well, you live life backwards. You go to the end of your life and you look back on your life. One day you'll come to the end of your life. You're gonna die. I mean, death runs in my family. I think it runs in yours, right? (laughs) Pretty much come in this world, no teeth, no hair, no bladder control. That's pretty much how you're going out. You're gonna die, all right? Uh, It's a short trip from diapers to Depends. Don't get arrogant about life. And when you die, they'll put you in a box. And your pastor, somebody say some nice words about you, and your family will go home and eat potato salad. That's pretty much what's going to happen. That's that's what we do. So how do you know what's important in life? Well, go to somebody's funeral. Take Yogi Bear's advice. Yogi said if you don't go to their funeral, they probably won't come to yours. That's what what Yogi said. (laughs) Go to somebody's funeral and watch what shows up. If you don't have time, I'll tell you, I've been to lots of funerals. Same three things show up at everybody's funeral. Faith, family, and friends. Why? Because those are the only things that matter. Everything else goes back in the box. You see, there's a powerful phrase in the business world, you've probably heard it, they say it this way, learn to think outside the, learn to think outside the box. My wife travels with me a lot, she's heard me use that line many times, that one day they're gonna put you in a box and your family's gonna go home and eat potato salad. Something that happens to us, I hope never happens to you, but it could. On a Sunday afternoon, somewhat like today, at two o'clock, you never forget when your life changes. Two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, I told my five-year-old grandson that his two-year-old brother was dead. People brought us things, you know what people do. One day my wife motioned for me, she wanted me to come to look. Somebody had brought us something, but she couldn't talk, just tears in her eyes. She pointed down, I looked down, and somebody had brought us two large bowls of potato salad. And my wife said this, it happens to everybody, it even happens to us. And then she said, when you go around the country and you tell that potato salad story, you tell those people, if they have someone to love, they need to love them now. If you have someone to forgive, you need to forgive them now. I hope you meet my wife one day. Uh, She has a lot of class. Uh, You've heard me speak, you know I have a PhD, but I have no class. I have no culture. She's tried to culture me up, give me class, take me places. You know, uh, She said, we we're going to New York to the Met. I thought we we're going to a ball game. I was pretty excited about it. Come to find out, we went to this museum. She loves museums. She loves the opera. I don't get the opera. My neighborhood, you shot a guy, he died. He didn't bleed and sing for 20 minutes, he just died. Uh, uh. I I don't get the opera, you know. Uh, She likes the ballet, I don't get the ballet. I told her if they got taller men and women, they wouldn't have to stand on their tiptoes. Everybody could relax, have a lot more fun. But we went to Paris, France for our anniversary, and she wanted me to go to the Louvre. For you guys, the Louvre is one of the largest museums in the world, it's huge, it's like the state of Maine. And if you get the chance to go to the Louvre, I'd pass it up. A lot of naked men statues. I don't get it, but, uh, 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 but I went. Hey, I'm a ma- I went. I spent a day at the Louvre, okay? I love my wife. Uh, but I found out something. The Mona Lisa, the masterpiece, was stolen from the Louvre. was missing for two years. They knew they'd eventually get it back because you can't sell them on a lease at a a pawn shop. I mean, they knew they'd get it back. They just didn't know when. So for two years, they left a blank space on the wall where the masterpiece used to be. Here's what they found out. More people came during that two-year period to look at that blank space on the wall where the masterpiece used to be than the previous 12 years put together to look at the real masterpiece. And you say, that's weird. No, that's normal. That's me and that's you. Because you don't appreciate the masterpieces that God brings into your life until they become blank spaces. If you have someone to love, you need to love them now. Because I have no class I like country music. My wife says that's an oxymoron, country music. She says it doesn't go together. And some of it is pitiful, isn't it? Papa loves mama, mama loves men, mama's in a graveyard, papa's in a pen. No redeeming social value there whatsoever. But I heard this years ago. I hear tell of millionaires and billionaires and such who gathered all the treasure in the world, and they still don't have enough. If money could buy peace of mind, I guess it'd have it all. But all the money in the world won't hold you when you fall. And then it says this, have a roof over my head, my kids have all been fed, and the woman I love most lies close beside me in my bed. Lord, give me the eyes to see exactly what that's worth, and I'll be the richest man on earth. My friend, the Bible says the same thing in the book of Ephesians. It's called the eyes of the heart. Let me encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, it says you're incredibly rich because he who was incredibly rich became poor so that one day you'd be incredibly rich. Let me tell you how rich. So rich you would even inherit the riches of eternal life. That, my friend, means this. Not only can you think outside the box, One day you'll live outside the box. You see, Jesus is the only one that makes relationships last. Let's pray, Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, if there's someone here today that's never trusted you as Savior, give them the faith to believe, not in a religion, but in Jesus Christ that came that lived the life they could never live and died the death they could never die because he wanted them and their in his forever family. All you ever wanted was a family and you'd included us. Give someone the faith to believe. Give the rest of us one specific thing we can do to live the kind of life you created us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would y'all help me thank Charles.